Hey everybody, this is Vince Miller. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today our topic is four ways that we respond to suffering. Now before we dive in, do me a favor right now, hit that subscribe button below so you can get notified when new videos come out in this series or any series we do. I think you're gonna wanna get notified so you don't miss out. Also, head over to my website today. It's beresolute.org, beresolute.org. Check out all of our great resources for you. I think one that you'll love that's free for everybody is my daily devotional. Read the Bible with me daily. The devotionals are always short, sweet, and to the point. Sign up today. I think you'll love it. And with that, let's dive into our topic for today, which is this. Four ways that we respond to suffering. Now, suffering in this life creates a plethora of questions for us all, does it not? In fact, in my work with men over many years, I have come to learn that suffering is a major stimulus for change in a man's life. We learn more from pain and suffering than we will ever learn from any of our successes. True. And we learn most from suffering because we are acutely sinful and selfish. <laughs> we have this preference really just for doing life our way, but when our way doesn't work out, we experience pain and suffering. <laughs> this is because the Bible teaches that pain and suffering result from disobedience to God. In fact, Lee Strobel once said this. He said, moral evil is the immorality and pain and suffering and tragedy that come because we choose to be selfish arrogant, uncaring, hateful, and abusive. But while suffering feels, well, bad, it does teach us some pretty remarkable things about ourselves and God. Suffering is where I have learned most of life's great lessons. Suffering in school, suffering in career, marriage, parenting, and through personal sin, I have discovered things about God and others that I could have never learned without suffering. This is because when I suffer, I look for any means possible to discontinue the pain, address the issues, and seek healing in hopes of never repeating the process ever again. <laughs> As the great preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, he said, I am certain that I never did grow in grace one half so much anywhere as I have upon the bed of pain. <laughs> but today, we want to look at how to just respond to suffering. We need to recognize that we will each respond differently to it. This depends a great amount on a number of different factors. For example, how prepared we are to suffer, or the connection we have to the suffering, or past experiences with that type of suffering, and even the intensity or maybe the length of the suffering itself. Given this, we return to Job. <laughs> and in chapter 2, we're going to encounter four responses to suffering. One response from Satan, one response from Job's wife, one response from Job, and then finally, one response from Job's three friends. First, let's look at the response of Satan. Job chapter 2, verses 4 through 8, read this way. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. 
And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with it, which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Now, I am so grateful that in Scripture we get this behind-the-scenes glimpse of just how devious Satan can be. I believe this gives us a greater understanding of what is behind Job's suffering, but it also helps us to have a greater understanding of, well, what might be going on behind the scenes with our own suffering, right? We get a good perspective here of just how devious and malicious and relentless Satan is. Satan works overtime to incite a selfish response from Job. Even though he lost round one, he's not going to quit. And this is Satan's MO, right? This time he turns away from his previous strategy of taking possessions and people to a personal attack, one that afflicts his body with unbelievable physical suffering. Job is stricken with boils from head to toe. His hair follicles are infested with bacteria causing irritation and swelling that result in pus forming underneath the surface of his skin. The stretching of his skin becomes so painful that it it makes his bones writhe in pain, he says. Seeking relief, he breaks open the boils with these fragments of pottery which results only in temporary relief. The wounds open and emit an awful stench, and now these open legions get infected and dirty and become infested with worms nonetheless. Now, as his skin heals, it it hardens, and then it breaks open, and it hardens, and it breaks open, and every time he moves, he feels them because they break open again, and his clothes stick to him, and during his sleep, he's tormented with night terrors. Now, I don't really know how long Job suffered through the situation. It could have been weeks or as many as nine months, but we do know this. His situation was horrendous. (laughs) Horrendous. Please hear this. Satan will always respond to suffering with more suffering. This is his MO. And it's not going to change. He will not quit. He will keep coming and he will always tempt us (laughs) by doing the same three things he does here. Here are the three temptations of Satan. First, his temptations are aimed at turning us against God. Turning us against God. Satan states very openly that his purpose here is to get Job to curse God to his face. You got to listen carefully to this. Every temptation is a move against God. Every one. Satan's setting us up to turn toward a selfish desire, which is a move that is in direct opposition against God. He wants us to turn from biblical truth to our truth, which is to tell God to buzz off and butt out of our life. Second, Satan's temptations are aimed at pushing us to our very limits. To our very limits. Satan said to God, but stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh. And what we hear when Satan says this is that Satan ain't going to stop after one failed attempt. He's going to try again and again 
and again, and sometimes he's going to be relentless. Third, Satan's temptations are aimed at attacking our weaknesses, your weaknesses. Everyone experiences temptation, but we're not going to be all tempted in exactly the same way. This is because Satan is going to attack your unique weaknesses. He's coming after your compulsions and your vices and your irritations and the things that you admire, revere, or idolize. If you struggle with a form of pride, he's coming after that. If you struggle with a form of materialism, greed, or selfishness, you bet he's coming after that. This is because he knows, he knows what is common to you. And so as you encounter suffering, you need to remember that Satan is right there too. And he's ready to tempt you to turn against God, to push you to your limits by attacking you in a unique way. Now, second, let's turn to the response of a spouse. Look at Job chapter two, verse nine. It reads this way. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. <laughs> now, before we get too judgmental here of what Job's wife says, we need to note a few things about her. First, that this is the only place that she's mentioned in the book of Job. Second, it's the only time she speaks in the book of Job. Third, and I think most importantly, we need to remember she's suffering too. Job's not the only person who has lost everything. She has too. And now she's watching as her husband is being tormented with bodily sores from head to toe. She is attacked as well. Now, there are two things interesting about what she says in this one verse. First, that she makes almost the same assertion that God makes about Job. <laughs> Listen to what God says to Satan in Job chapter 2, verse 3. He says, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast to his integrity, almost verbatim the way that she says it. Both God and Job's wife notice the same quality in Job. He will not compromise. He is an uncompromising man of God, which is very commendable. It's, it's a quality, I think, to be desired. Second, the next part of what she said is almost the same as what Satan is suggesting Job will do. Satan's proposition to God is that if God touches his skin and his flesh, now he will compromise his integrity. And Satan asserts that he will curse you to your face. Now, I find it very interesting that his wife's only comments, mere components of the discussion that happened between God and Satan. Do you see that here? It almost mirrors this discussion. I have found this principle at play also in my life, that sometimes God-fearing people can offer wonderful advice on my suffering and challenges, and that sometimes God-fearing people can offer tragic advice on my suffering and challenges. And in suffering, we need to remind ourselves to not let our guard down with those who we think can be trusted. Because sometimes these genuine, God-fearing people can offer advice that is genuinely wrong. Third, let's look at the response of the persecuted man. 
It's Job. Listen to Job chapter 2, verse 10. It reads, But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. You know, first, you got to notice the strength of Job's clarity to be lucid enough through all this pain and suffering to still respond to his wife. I think it's profound. And he's not trying to be condescending to her, but rather confident of her character and her virtue. He essentially says to her, honey, you're not like one of those other women, so don't speak like one of them. Second, you'll also notice how how Job is is trusting in the sovereignty of God here as he responds. At no point does he seem to question God's power and sovereignty in his suffering. Most men would, but but not Job. He accepts it as suffering from God as if it, it came actually from him. And third, notice Job does not sin with his lips. Now, this is not suggesting that Job has no sin, but only that Job did not sin to deserve the suffering, nor that he sinned as he suffered with his mouth, right? Clearly, Job is a man of exceptional integrity and perseverance. His response to his wife and to God here demonstrates remarkable understanding and trust and faith in God. And he accepts his, his suffering as his call. He accepts his suffering as his call. I want you to see that. And he is willing to accept it as if it is going to be his calling for a while. You know, Charles Stanley once said this. He said, when you become consumed by God's call on your life, everything will take on new meaning and significance. You will begin to see every facet of your life, including your pain, as a means through which God can work to bring others to himself. I love those words. They're very powerful. And I believe this is why Job responds in the way that he does here. The fourth response is the response of the friends. Let's look at Job chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, which read this way. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they each came from his own place. Eliphaz, the Tenemite, Bildad, the Shutite, and Zophar, the Nanamite. And they made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. You know, this is the premier example of what to do when you have a friend who is suffering through a personal loss or personal challenges. Here are three things that these three men got right. First, they went to him. They went to him. I've learned over the years that that presence is a real ministry. Sometimes we underestimate presence. But the ministry of presence is done by visiting a friend in the hospital, attending a funeral, and, and stopping by to offer condolences. It communicates something that, like a card or a phone call or an email, will never be able to communicate. Never take this for granted. It is never quickly forgotten. Second, they wept with him. They wept with him. Some of us lack friends 
of this type. But we need friends who empathize with us. And we need to empathize with others. Empathy is so powerful. We can be so calloused in this life, so detached from people. But these three men got this one right. They felt his pain and they traveled long and far just to weep with him. And third, they sat quietly with him. <laughs> These three men gathered around him for seven days and nights before they ever spoke a word. They commiserated with their brother in silence. And I think this is beautiful. It demonstrates a commitment to Job as a man, as a husband, as a father and leader. These three men right here got these three things right. They went to him, they wept with him, and they sat with him. But when they opened their mouths, they became a serious problem. <laughs> so today, whether you're going through suffering or know someone who is, I hope you take away some actionable from this incredible chapter and these four responses. Maybe you need to be reminded of Satan's relentlessness. Maybe you need to be reminded to cautiously accept advice from those close to you. Maybe you needed to be reminded by Job to hold fast to God's sovereignty and trust in him, regardless of the circumstances. Or maybe you needed to be reminded to be a great friend to someone who needs a friend. Regardless, know this, everyone suffers because everybody gets a turn. So be ready to respond. And I pray today your response will be godly. Thanks for joining me today. I'll see you right back here again next time.